Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Vidya Banerjee. Vidya hosts the podcast and blog, Autism Family Story. Her 16-year-old autistic son, Arian, is non-speaking and communicates with an augmentative and alternative communication device, or AAC for short. In today's conversation, we talk about do's, don'ts, and common misconceptions about AAC, Arian's rare seizure disorder called Landau-Kleffner syndrome, Vidya's hopes for her son, her mission as a blogger and podcaster, and tips for parents. In this episode, discover what's possible when communication is properly aided. To learn more about Vidya, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you Vidya Banerjee. Hello, Vidya. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Let's start with a brief introduction. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. So my name is Vidya I'm a mom of two boys. My older son is in university and my younger son, he is almost a teenager now. I just can't believe it. He's 16 years old. His name is Arian and he's a child on the autism spectrum. So Arian is nonverbal and he uses a AAC device to communicate. Arian also has a secondary diagnosis of Lando-Kleffner syndrome, which is rare form of seizures. So that's my brief introduction. Okay. And we'll talk about how he uses his AAC device and what that is. Sure. What are some of his interests and his strengths? So Arian is a very good friend. Visual processing is his strength. He's a very hardworking boy and he's very good at following directions. So those are some of his strengths. Right. And what does he like to do for fun? Arian has very limited interests. So for fun, he loves listening to any kind of music. He loves going out for a drive in the car. And Arian loves playing games on the iPad. Okay, great. So what was it like for you and your family to receive his diagnosis? So... When we actually did receive the diagnosis, I think it was a kind of relief for us. But to back it up a little, Arian was born in November of 2005. So from the beginning, he was a very quiet baby and he achieved all his milestones. So we never had any cause to worry. But things started changing when Arian uh, started getting up to closer to 18 months of age. He started showing classic signs of autism, like he was not responding to his name, not looking at us. He loved being alone, walking on his toes, 
which he does to this day. But me and my husband at that time, because we were not even aware about autism, we kind of missed on those signs and we just thought that he was slow in developing. It was my mother-in-law, who is a special needs teacher in US. She was the one who brought it to our attention first that there might be a possibility Arian might be on the autism spectrum. So it was really very hard for us at that time to hear that because, first of all, we didn't know what autism was. And then, of course, I went to Dr. Google to get as much information as I can, which, you know, back in those days, there was not much available. There was not no social media. There was not much podcast or blogs or anything like that. So the more I started reading about the condition, it started becoming quite apparent that Arian might have autism spectrum. But as a mom, in my heart, I was thinking that maybe my mother-in-law was wrong and it was just that Arian was slow in developing. So we went to Arian's pediatrician and we expressed our concerns to him. Sorry, Vidya, just for some context, you were living in Canada, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yes. So this was in Canada. So we went to Arian's pediatrician and we expressed our concerns to him about Arian's suspected autism diagnosis. Even though the pediatrician never mentioned to us anything during our monthly checkups that he was concerned about Arian's development. So he came on board right away and he referred us to early intervention services. So we were scheduled for an appointment, for an assessment for Arian. So we were taken to a room. It was me, my husband, Ben and Arian and two early interventionists in the room. So they asked Arian to do very simple things like rolling a ball, stacking a tower, stacking some blocks and some basic imitation things. But Arian was not able to do most of the activities because by that time the regression had set in. But by law, they could not tell us what was wrong. So they said we had to wait for an official diagnosis. And that took almost a year for us to get a proper diagnosis for Arian. So 2008, when Arian was three years old, that's the time we officially got a autism diagnosis for Arian. It was heartbreaking at the same time, but it was kind of a relief for us because we already knew in our hearts that Arian was on the autism spectrum. And now we had to start putting the right supports and services in place for him. How did you come to accept his autism from feeling heartbroken after receiving the diagnosis to accepting him for who he is? I think it was really hard, like I said in the beginning, because, you know, my mom's heart was not ready to accept in the beginning that there was something wrong with my child because the more I read about it, it became apparent that it was a lifelong diagnosis. This was not something which was curable. But then in my heart, I I knew that I loved my child for who he is. And it doesn't matter whether he has a diagnosis or not. So at that time, I had made a decision that, you know, it's in my child's best interest to accept the diagnosis in my best interest so that I can start helping my son. Mm Mm-hmm. Did his father have a similar response? Yes, he did. In the beginning, he was heartbroken as well, but he was totally on board uh, when, you know, it became very evident that Arian might have autism. So he supported me in whatever way I could to support Arian. Okay. So what kinds of supports has he received over the years? 
So when it became evident that Adrian might have autism and uh, he got a formal diagnosis in Canada, once a child gets a autism diagnosis, then you go on a second wait list to get government funded ABA therapy for 40 hours a week. But that list is quite long as there are many children currently waiting for a diagnosis and to get the ABA. And that's applied behavior analysis for people applied who don't. Applied behavior analysis, or in Canada, it's called IBI, Intensive Behavioral Intervention. And they provide it to the government, which is funded for 40 hours a week. The thing is, the wait list is long. And by the time Arian got picked up, he was almost seven years old. But in the interim, we could not wait that long. So we started on our own ABA therapy for Arian. So in the beginning, we started with one hour a week because that is all Arian could take. But by the time Arian got picked up for the IBI therapy, we were doing 15 to 20 hours of ABA a week and we were paying from our own pocket and we were doing speech therapy, occupational therapy on the side. So together with ABA, speech therapy and occupational therapy, it really helped Arian a lot. Mm. Could you share a proud moment that stands out to you? Yeah. um, So as I said, Arian is nonverbal. And um, to back it up a little, Arian did have a few words when he was little. He only said some single words. And I remember at one point of time, I had a running list of words on my refrigerator. Every time I heard a new word, I would run and put it up on the uh, fridge. And then one day, all of a sudden, Arian just stopped saying anything. So he was around seven years old at that time. And there was a speech therapist who came to our house and he suggested that maybe we should consult a neurologist because Arian regressing a second time with speech was not a very good sign. So we went to a neurologist and of course, he was concerned as well. And he sent us to Sick Kids Hospital, which is a very famous hospital in Toronto and worldwide as well. So they did an EEG on him to rule out seizures and uh, Arian got diagnosed with Lando Kleffner syndrome, which is called LKS. It's one in 200,000 kids have that kind of seizures. So basically, they are sleep seizures. But what we are noticing now is as he's growing up, his seizures are coming during the day and they are coming more frequently. So the proud moment for me was, so he started using AAC device to communicate. And I always used to say to him, I love you, Arian. I love you. And, you know, he looked at us, but, you know, he was never able to verbalize that because, of course, he was not able to speak. But one day out of the blue, he got his device and he said, I love you, mama. And I think that was the most proud moment for me because I was waiting for years to hear it from him. And just out of the blue, I think he just said it to me. And I think I had tears in my eyes that day. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. So let's talk about his AAC device. And for people who are not familiar, that's an augmentative and alternative communication device. Could you explain exactly what it is? Uh, Sure. So as you all rightfully mentioned, uh, Rachel, AAC stands for Alternative and Augmentative Communication. It is a high-tech device for children or any individuals who cannot use verbal speech. So when Arian was younger, at three years of age, we started him with PECS like any other parents. But PECS was not enough for Arian to communicate. Could you explain what PECS is? <laughs> uh, sure. So PECS stands for Picture Exchange Communication System. So what we do in that is we take pictures or photos of the child's favorite treats, toys, food, 
And then what we do is we the child exchanges it with the parent to get whether it's their favorite toy or their favorite treat. So that is basically what is picture exchange communication system. Thank you. But that limited him only to requesting. And communication is not only requesting. It has many functions like commenting, asking questions, answering questions, protesting. So there are lots of communication functions which PEX was not able to support. So in the year 2012, we got him assessed to get a AAC device, which stands for Alternative and Augmentative Communication Device. So they trialed a couple of devices and Arian was uh, given P2G or Proloco to go. I'm sure many parents might be aware about that. So we started with Proloco to go in the year 2012. So with AAC device, the most important thing, Rachel, is it is based on the parent being the communication partner for the child. So you have to do a lot of modeling. So you have to speak your child's language and you have to use it in every day. Basically, in all the environments your child goes to so that you are speaking his language. So it is also called as aided language input. So in the beginning, you're just modeling for your child. So whatever you're saying, you just press the buttons on the device. And it's not necessary that you need to press every button because you're not able to program everything on that one device. But as much as possible, try to press the button so your child gets that connection between what you're saying and you are using and modeling it on his device. So that is how we started with Praloko to go. So Arian was a quick learner. He did learn the system. But the problem what we faced, Rachel, is that Arian was not initiating the use. So yes, if he wanted something and he was motivated, he would go to his device and he will navigate the device and tell us, I want something. But that was pretty much it. But we wanted to teach him other functions as well. If he doesn't want something, if he doesn't like something, if he want to express his feelings, tell us how is he feeling. So lots of other things we wanted him to focus on. So slowly but eventually, Arian started uh, getting the connection and I was able to model for him. But kind of it started getting harder because Praloko to go started coming up with, of course, new updates. So in the beginning, we were supported with the school system. We, we had a SLP, which stands for Speech Language Pathologist, which used to guide us, who was guiding us with our Proloco to go. But once they were comfortable and they thought that I was able to support Arian, they had to discharge us because there were a lot of other kids waiting in the wait list. Mm. So then when they were coming up with the updates, it started getting harder even for me to keep up with it. And eventually, slowly, we what we realized that Arian was uh, not much interested in using the device. So I had to call a meeting with his uh, speech therapist from the school. And then we decided it was time to change Arian to a new device. So we started with Touch at Word Power 42. So that is the current AAC system which Arian is using since 2019. It is going really well. Of course, I'm modeling because it is still a new system for Arian, but I think he's taken to the system really well and he's able to uh, navigate the system and he's initiating the use of Touch Chat more than Proloco to go. Okay, that's good news. So Arian uses Touch Chat Word Power 42. That's the one he's using right now. So it gives the child the ability to navigate through the pages. 
set page setups and speak the messages. So basically, there are motor plans, as I mentioned before, for the AAC. And it is predictive in nature. What I mean by that is once you click on a particular word, it takes you to the next step automatically. So the child doesn't have to navigate. The touch chat takes you to the next step. So your child will be able to form sentences and convey their message. And also there are a lot of literacy components, as I mentioned. So I think it is a overall, I think touch chat, it's a full featured communication app. And for those parents who want to try it out, they have a low tech option. I think it costs $10 or something. It doesn't have all these features, but if they just want to try it out to see if it is suitable for their child, then maybe they can download and spend that $10 and they can see if that app is good enough for them. Okay. Because I know it's very hard. There are so many AAC apps out there, Rachel, and they are expensive. So it doesn't make any sense to spend that kind of money where, you know, you have these kind of options where you can spend 10 to $20, try it out. And of course, the most important thing is contact a speech language pathologist because they are the best people who will be able to advise you what kind of AAC device will be helpful for your child. Because I think they are the best people to help you with that journey to recommend the app and then also to navigate through that app to set it up because there are different vocabularies. So as a parent, it can be really overwhelming. So it's better to contact a professional who can help you with it. Mm-hmm. And there are even AAC specialists. Oh, yes, there are AAC specialists, of course. Yes, yeah. there are. But that's good advice to just kind of start with your... SLP, and then they can recommend you to someone. That's correct. I think it's better that way. So, you know, that way you don't waste the valuable time and you can uh, start uh, helping the child to communicate right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some common misconceptions about AAC? So there are many, uh, Rachel, there are many um, misconceptions about AAC. I'm just going to list a few here in the interest of time. So the first and the most important misconception with AAC is that it hinders speech development. And this is totally wrong because there is research which has shown that AAC, in fact, promotes speech development. But the sad thing is there are many professional speech language pathologists and parents who don't want to give access to their child to the AAC, fearing that their child is not going to speak. So that is the biggest misconception. Is that, you think, because they are still hoping that the child will develop verbal speech at a certain age? I think so. That is what. And so is the misconception that they would only be able to communicate in one medium? I think so. They want their children to, I think, communicate verbally because somehow they think that the child communicating with the AAC device might hinder their verbal speech, one, and secondly, that it might make them look different Mm. communicating with an AAC device. I think that is what the parents are mostly worried for. But then in the process, what they are doing is that they are denying their child access to communicate because they need the robust communication system in order to develop the speech. So that is the biggest misconception. The second misconception is there are some prerequisite skills required to learn AAC. There are no skills required. As a parent, as a speech therapist, you can support the child in teaching them to learn to use their AAC. So there are no prerequisite skills required for the AAC. And the third one is 
age. Age has not, got nothing to do. You know, you can introduce AAC to a child who is younger than three years old or maybe to an adult who is over 20 years old. So age has got nothing to do with introduction of the AAC. It is only a means to provide the individual with a robust communication system. Okay, that's good to know. That was going to be one of my questions. Yeah. So have you learned anything in particular about communication as a whole from going on this AAC journey with Arian? So what I have learned is that verbal speech is not the only way to communicate. There are many other ways individuals can communicate. They can communicate with sign language. They can communicate with PECs, like picture exchange communication system, but then that limits their communication or they can communicate with the high-tech devices like my son who is doing it or there are many other individuals who are communicating with AAC device. So what I have learned is it is our job as parents to provide our child with a robust communication system at the earliest available opportunity so they can develop their communication in whatever modality they communicate. Right. And it's also true that if person is communicating with sign language, there is some limitation in who they can communicate with. Their communication partner also needs to understand the sign language and be able to respond back to them. But with an AAC device, once you press the button, the sound that emits is something that everyone can understand. Or even if you're not able to play the sound loudly, they can still read the words on the screen or look at the images and understand what the person is trying to say. So perfectly said, Rachel. That's so right. Because sign language also sometimes has its limitations because not everybody is trained in sign language. There are different kinds of sign language. And maybe the children with autism, they also have difficulties in motor skills. Fine motor skills might not be developed. So that might also prevent them from communicating you know, more advanced signs. But with the AAC device, as long as you can press a button, you can get your message across to your parent or teachers or someone else. Yeah. And I imagine it's so much easier to add new vocabulary rather than printing out something and cutting it and putting Velcro, like the kind of old school style with PECs. Oh, of course, I totally agree with it. And for that reason, as a parent, it's very important that you know your child's communication system inside out, because at the end of the day, you will have therapists, professionals come and go, but you're going to be that one constant in your child's life. So it is very important that you know your child's communication system. So if there's a new update, if there's a new word you want to add, you don't have to wait for somebody. You can go yourself and add in that word. And like you rightfully said, it's much easier to go to that one setting and add that word rather than printing this different, you know, core boards or different communication pictures or something like that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that motivation was a challenge with Arian using his device in the early days. Was there anything else you struggled with in teaching him to use his AAC? I don't know, Rachel, how familiar you are with it, but AC has got motor plans. So it is very important that the icons stay in the consistent place. So that way the brain develops the motor skills. So sometimes in the beginning, it was really hard because Arian had to navigate through maybe three or four pages to get his message across. So in the beginning, that was challenging, even for me, because I was not very familiar with that device. So to model that consistent motor plan 
to you know navigate through those pages maybe two pages three pages in the beginning till i got familiar with the device was very hard for me so i can only imagine how hard it was for arian mm, okay can you share some do's and don'ts with communicating with an aac from your own personal experience sure so some do's is always make sure that the child has access to the aac device make sure that the aac device is charged that is very important try to have a low tech backup so what i mean by that is when you have the ac device try to take screenshots of the main pages like whether it's his food the social page and all the main pages try to take screenshots and then you can print it and make it into a book it is basically a low tech uh, device like a low tech device option put it in their bag so in case say one day there is something wrong with their ac it is not working or maybe the ac system broke or say anything can go wrong then the child does have access to the low tech backup so that way they are not without their communication system and as a parent model 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 and model some more because i think that is the only way our child will learn that system now for some don'ts so i have seen some well meaning professionals say that to me and i was quite surprised so what happens is the ac is a new language for our children so they try to sometimes press random buttons on their device so sometimes i see even the professionals taking away the device from the child but that's wrong so i've seen arian sometimes press random buttons so at that time i try to take it as he's trying to communicate something to with me and try to relate it and come up with something like if he says uh, just a uh, elephant for example random oh you want to talk about the elephant or you know what elephant has big ears so something like that so just to for him to know that you know i'm acknowledging that he's trying to communicate something with me so that is one so don't take that device away from them and make sure to take it with you everywhere so that is the other one and third thing is the whole family has to be on board and whether it is the mom dad siblings so everybody has to be on board and it's the same thing with the school it's the home and school connection i think if that is well developed with the ac the child will be able to learn the ac uh, quickly and i think consistently mhm How is it incorporated in school other than his teacher were any of his peers also trained in communicating with him So the peers were not like trained in communicating but the way they did it is when they used to have a circle time they asked they used to ask Arian to greet a peer you know hello so and so so or you know ask a question to your peer how are you feeling so that way you know they were incorporating some kind of a social skill concept as well with Arian and that way he was able to communicate with the peers they used it during circle time maybe during the group activities so all those ways they were incorporating Arian's AAC right how does he use his AAC in everyday life now so right now of course we are at home Arian is doing virtual schooling due to the pandemic so right now it is mostly requesting of course if he wants something he will go and get his aac but for me as a parent i'm trying to incorporate commenting 
asking him some questions, asking him how he's feeling so that way he's able to get that information out. Sometimes we even use it for the academic activities as well. But we try to mostly use it for communication. The other important part of AAC, Rachel, I don't know if you're aware, is literacy. So every AAC device has got a keyboard because it's not possible to program every mm-hmm. word on the AAC device. So I'm teaching Arian if a particular word is not available, then how he can, first of all, try to find the word. And if not, then he can type it on his keyboard and still get his message across. So this way we are trying to incorporate it at this time. Mm-hmm. Got it. What are your hopes for Arian's future? You know, like any other parent, of course, uh, my hopes and our hopes rather that Arian be as independent as possible. And, uh, you know, maybe one day he can have a job. Doesn't matter if it's a part-time job, something, you know, which will help him to feel confident and something which will keep him busy because I think that's so important. I don't know about where you are, but in the States or Canada, the children can only go up to school up till they are 21 years of age. But after that, pretty much you are on your own. And I really want that Arian be able to have some kind of a job wherein he's able to occupy himself and be as independent as possible and have a good quality of life. Mm, Yeah. Just curious, is there a community of autistic adults who communicate with AAC in your area? They are not particularly in my area, but there is a lot of autistic adults who do communicate uh, with AAC. I have seen many on the social media, Mm -hmm. but I haven't personally come across anyone. Okay. I just imagine that those self-advocates could be great role models for people who are maybe like Arian, an adolescent learning how to navigate AAC and use it more in his daily life. Like if they see someone else like them who's able to do it fluently, if that would maybe encourage them. Oh, I totally agree with it. I think it's so important for us to hear from the actually autistic people. I think their experience, it does matter a lot for all of us. And I think I totally agree if... Our children can see somebody like autistic adult actually using that AAC. I think that's going to help them in a big way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd like to go back to talking about your son's condition with seizures. Could you explain a little bit more about that? You said it's a rare condition, right? Uh, that's correct. Yes. Okay. And Is it common for the seizures to increase more into the daytime for people who have this condition? That's something we never heard of because, Rachel, when he was younger and we used to go to the neurologist, he used to always ask us, have you seen Arian having seizure? And our answer always was no, because the kind of seizures which he got diagnosed with, Landau-Kleffner syndrome, are night seizures or sleeping seizures. But for the past, I think, two or three years, we have started noticing Arian getting seizures during the day. In fact, a couple of years ago, he had a grand mal seizure, which we had never seen. And I think that was the scariest day for all of us. And we had to call an ambulance and actually take Arian to the hospital. And after that, lately, what we are noticing is he's getting some sort of small seizures which come at any time. 
So it is really getting harder for us to keep a watch on him every minute mm-hmm. because that's really not possible for anybody. So what we are doing is we have consulted his neurologist and we are waiting to get a virtual appointment over the phone so we can discuss this further and see whether we can change the medication or if there's something else we can do because for the seizures to increase as Arian is growing up that is something which we had never heard of so this is very scary for us in fact yesterday morning Arian had a seizure as well and i was quite scared because i was not in the room with him he's okay now but it is scary to imagine that your child might have a seizure at a time when you are not with him and it's really not physically possible for me or maybe once he starts going to school for somebody to watch him every minute so we really have to get to the root of it and we are trying to see if we can do something about it so we are waiting for a neurologist appointment to discuss this further okay well hopefully you guys can figure it out soon so that he can get the right support that he needs Yes, because it, like I said, it's uh, very, very scary because mm-hmm. like now they are coming unannounced, like they're just coming anytime. So that's really scary. So I'm really hoping that we can come up with something, hopefully to reduce this or maybe to help him with not progressing with that many seizures. Yeah. When it happens, I'm assuming you guys have some kind of protocol of how to respond in the moment, right? Yes, we try to, first of all, stay as calm as possible because that is very important. Try to turn Arian onto the side and just comfort him. Just sit there and try to comfort him. The seizures are not long. They might be like a few seconds or a minute. But the after effects of the seizure, that's the one which is very concerning because it makes Arian so drowsy and then he's so tired all day. He just wants to sleep. That's very scary because at the time he's having that seizure, he's totally blanked out. He doesn't know what's happening. Sometimes there is a little bit of jerking. Sometimes there is an eye roll. So it's not like the grand mal seizure, which he had a couple of years ago, but still any kind of seizures that is scary. Yeah. So we just try to remain calm and support him and in whatever way we can and just allow him to rest. So that way uh, he's okay. We don't try to at that day, we just, you know, take off from all the activities, no school, nothing. Just let him rest and recuperate, if whether it's a day or two, and then get back to our regular routine. Yeah, that makes sense to not overload him anymore. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Okay, Vidya, you host a podcast and a blog called Autism Family Story. So tell us about that. What is your mission? So, personally, being a parent of a child on the spectrum, I realized very early on how overwhelming and isolating this journey was. And I learned so much over the years. I think I've been on this journey 13 years, to be precise. So, in this 13 years, I learned a lot. And I wanted to help the fellow autism parents to feel less lonely and to help them, to empower them to help their own children with all the knowledge that I learned. So I'm on a mission to build a community for fellow autism parents to help them feel less overwhelmed and in that way they can help their child. So I try to do it through my blog, which I started two years ago. And lately, last year, I started a podcast. So in everything I do, my mission is to help the parents with as much information I have learned to pass it on to them. And 
help them to feel less lonely and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think it's so important these days, especially for people to have a sense of belonging to some kind of community and know that they're not alone. Oh, of course. And I think I was looking for that kind of community in the beginning when uh, Arian was diagnosed. So I think it is so important that we can connect with other parents who are on the same journey like us. So that way we can talk to them. We can vent out if anything is wrong so they can help us to come up with some solutions. And it just feels like we belong there. It is not that we are lonely anymore. Mm hmm. So what kinds of topics do you cover on your podcast? I try to cover a lot of topics, basically the topics um, which have helped my son, uh, some strategies. So like haircutting, like today's podcast episode is on haircutting tips or parent-teacher collaboration, IEP, why early intervention is important, importance of ABA, some myths about ABA. So I try to cover a mix of different topics and come up with some strategies which the parents can use right away and they are easy to implement and something which I have used personally. So these strategies which I am discussing in my podcast are the things which I have personally used with my son or I'm currently using with Arian. So those are the strategies I'm sharing with other parents. Okay, got it. All right, Vidya, I'd like to close with one last question. What advice would you give to other parents whose children are entering into adolescence, like around the same age or younger than Aryan? I have three things to tell the parents. So the first thing is take one day at a time. That is the most important one. We as parents, we always worry about our child's future, what's going to happen to them when we are not going to be here, I think that is the universal worry we all autism parents or parents of any kind of special needs kids share. But it's very, very important to live in the moment and just take one day at a time. So that's my first advice. My second advice is set up some kind of a communication system for your child. Doesn't matter if you don't have the high-tech devices, that's fine. But as long as you start, even with picture exchange communication system, so that is very important. Set up some kind of a communication system which helps your child to communicate and it reduces their anxiety and frustration. So that is very, very big because that is the cause of many challenging behaviors as well because our children don't have a way to communicate their wants and needs. So it is very important and it's a basic right for everybody. So that's the second advice. And the third advice being on this journey for so long is things will get better. Things don't get better overnight. You need to put in the work as parents. We are the experts on our children. We are their best advocates. So you need to get involved in your child's education. For me personally, I went back to school. I did my autism graduation certificate. And I never looked back after that. But I understand not everybody can do that. But still try to attend parent trainings, webinars, try to listen to podcasts, read books. There are blogs. There are a lot of things available now for parents, which we didn't have when our children got diagnosed. So learn as much as possible from professionals. Try to learn on your own and help your child. You have to put in the work at home. 
you have to be relentless and consistently put in the work at home you just can't depend on the therapist spending an hour or two with your child because you spend the maximum time with your child so you need to put in those hours again by no means i'm not saying that you need to engage your child 24 hours a day in therapy i'm not saying that but whatever goals you are working on make sure that you do it consistently so your child will progress and they are capable of learning my own son has he has lots of challenges not only autism he does have other challenges but he has come a long long way and so progress will happen things will change but just you have to be patient and you have to put in the hard work all right thank you so much for sharing your tips i think your story is an inspiration and everything that you have accomplished through the aac device with arian is just showing that there's hope for people out there. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me here. Yes, there is a lot of hope. AAC, once the child has access to AAC, I think they will surprise us because they have so much to communicate. They have so much to tell us and we just have to provide them the means so that way they can communicate to us what's in their mind. There have been so many times when Arian has surprised us. So it's always nice to provide your child with a robust communication system early on and that way you are definitely on the right path to help your child. All right, Vidya, how can people learn more about you and listen to your podcast? So, I have a podcast Autism Family Story podcast. It is available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. And also, if they don't like listening to podcasts because some people are not familiar with the podcast, maybe they don't like listening to the podcast, then they can go to www.autismfamilystory.com. That's my blog, wherein I share lots of helpful information and tips and strategies as well. The other thing is I'm also active on social media. I am active on Instagram at Autism Family Story. So they can follow me there. I share lots of helpful information daily or on Pinterest. I don't know if you're familiar with Pinterest, but I do have an account, Autism Family Story on Pinterest as well. So all the places I share lots of information every single day, try to come up with bite-sized information which can help the parents in this journey. All right. Thank you so much, Vidya. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Every individual should be able to communicate through whatever method is best for them. An individual being non-speaking doesn't mean they don't have anything to say. The ability to connect with others and express one's need is fundamental to reducing frustration and improving quality of life. Like Vidya, are you a family member hoping to support and empower your loved one? Or are you a self-advocate willing to share your story and educate others? Are you a professional seeking to hear directly from autistic voices and improve your practice? Whatever your role related to autism is, you can join our online global autism community to connect and collaborate with people all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders. 
brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.